0: So hello and welcome to the Network Collective Community Roundtable. The long-standing tradition of having a secure network perimeter and a lightly protected interior, well, that's long been going by the wayside. But the introduction of new models of connectivity are forcing us to change the way we look at security altogether and inventing whole new models of protecting our networks. In today's episode, we're going to be exploring how these changes are impacting security and talk about some of those new models that meet the needs of modern networks. So hang on for just a moment and we'll be right back with today's episode. So before we get into today's episode, I wanted to mention today's sponsor, NVIDIA. NVIDIA is positioned as a leader in open networking, providing end-to-end solutions at all layers of the software and hardware stack. So keep listening as we'll be talking more about what NVIDIA is doing in networking later on in today's episode. So joining us today is Catherine McNamara. Catherine, it's been a long time since you've been on the show, so I'm uh, super happy to see you here. And Mike Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer, I said it wrong again, you were on just recently. Uh, We talked about SD-WAN and we talked about talking about the changing security models. And, and here we are. Uh, also joining us is Tony. So Tony, it's good to see you. And mm-hmm. I think, Tony, we're going to start with you because you spend a lot of time working in this you know, network security perimeter area. And I think the good place to start is to understand a bit of where we're coming from uh, before we talk about where we're headed. So if you can kind of give us and, and lay that foundation about where we've been, uh, we'll start there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So when I think about historically, um, what your network security was, it was at that boundary, the network boundary. um, It was sort of like the walled garden, right? We tried to take all of the traffic and funnel it through one or two or a number of security appliances at the perimeter, maybe at a single point, a single egress point through the network. Um, And as networks continued to grow, those egress points continued to multiply and we needed a way to start to get visibility across all of them. Now, before we started having application recognition and and being able to build rules based on actual um, uh, application protocols, it was basic IP port and protocol matching, right? That's sort of layer four, uh, those tuples. Um, That's where we're coming from. And where where we have been recently is taking that up to the next level and being able to step up into application level matching. Um, being able to understand the traffic that's going in and out of there. And I think most of the environments still had that walled garden approach, right? Where most of your traffic was within your network egressing, um, unless you were a service provider and you were serving up something. Um, I, I think where we are now is changed a lot, right? That perimeter is starting to disappear. And in fact, Ever since I've been in networking and in security, people have always said uh, the perimeter is disappearing. The perimeter is disappearing, but I keep telling you, I keep installing firewalls, lots and lots (laughs) and lots of them.
0: All right, so it's it's not not new though, right? Like the idea that 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 hard crunchy edge. Like I'm with you. Like I've been doing this for over 20 years. And my entire career, we've been talking about how that's changing. And it's had to. We've seen more security on the inside. We've seen the invention of things like segmentation. And then even into micro segmentation, there's a lot of, you know, like client-based tools with antivirus and anti-malware and all these other things that get involved. It's no longer just throw a firewall up at the edge and you're secure. There's a lot more to it. Yet I'm with you. I mean, I've been in the VAR space for a while and we sell lots of firewalls, Mm -hmm. which are very traditionally an edge device, right?
1: Yep. So, so I think that's that's the story, right? Where we came from was a basic perimeter, um, a a single drawbridge over the moat, uh, uh, matching on IPs, ports, and protocols, and and where we've taken that now is much more granular understanding. But also, now in today's world, we need a way to really distribute that to people who might never set foot within your walled garden, within your boundary they're never within the castle wall. And we kind of take what we're dealing with working from home, people working from home all the time. So how do we implement security at the boundary? Is the boundary even a a sound investment anymore? You know, Or do we need to start moving to, to a more client-focused, a more edge-focused?
0: So Mike, I mean, I'm going to send uh, this your way because I think that uh, you and I do some similar work and we work in a space that seems to be kind of at the heart of why a lot of these changes are happening. So what do you think it, you know, what are the challenges? Like, what are the things that are being presented now that are different than what they used to be?
2: Well, I think what it is, is people are addicted to performance, right? So SD-WAN, cloud, SaaS, all brought performance to the network that people did not have before. So, you know, we brought intelligent aggregation of bandwidth, uh, traffic steering across multiple circuits. SaaS was optimized to work on the internet. And then of course, cloud um, gives you the ability to quickly spin up, spin down workloads as you need them and to instantiate services um, wherever they make sense to put them. So we quickly became addicted to the performance that we're getting from these new innovations. But what we did um, as a side effect is we shift the gravity of data and applications. We distribute it widely across the network. And so the boundary no longer makes sense, right? The boundary has expanded to the point to where it's no longer single or centralized. It's not um, walled off like Tony was talking about. It is all over the place. So now we have to figure out how do we prevent unwanted or malicious traffic from propagating throughout our network? And how do we prevent sensitive data uh, to not be leaked or stolen from our organization when it's so widely distributed?
0: Now, you kind of mentioned there the, the nature of uh, the resources we're, we're going towards, the, the servers, the applications, the things that we're, we're consuming. But, you know, there's also a component of this that the client is changing. It's not just performance in that one direction. The client has also changed in so much as that where, you know, the traditional model was you'd build servers and you'd have offices and someone would walk in and sit down to their desktop PC that never moved. Uh, That has obviously shifted into laptops and shifted into mobile devices. It's now shifted into, you know, most people having multiple devices that are connected to the network. Uh, Some of those devices are now BYOD. So now that's an even bigger, you know, like, you know, avenue that you don't have as much control over those particular devices and they're coming into your network as well. Um, And then then those devices don't stay stationary. (laughs) Yeah. They move within the organization, they move outside of the organization, and work is happening regardless of where those things are. So, the, the whole profile, not just where the applications live, but also where the clients live, it has, well, is changing.
3: Yeah, yeah. 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 Lunch break in Starbucks and take the, the laptop with them, download malware and come back. So you have to protect them pretty much everywhere they're going. Dare I say a really horrible marketing term from years, years ago, borderless networks.
0: <laughs> that That term was it definitely was a marketing term, but it is what we've got. Last I mean, it's where that's. I mean, it's it's actually a really apt description of the way that we run networks today, because I can't remember the last network that, I in that had a solid border. I have no idea where it actually ends and begins because you can't draw it at the line with the internet anymore. Because at any one point in time, half the devices that are you know on network devices are actually on the net on the internet. They're either yeah, connecting like, via VPN or some other you know mechanism private. to get back home
3: prior to covid you had a traveling workforce some work from home but now you have pretty much a large work from home uh, work from home workforce you have saas applications cloud uh you know, you know you some people still vpn back in and that's a good reason to have a firewall besides the obvious like you know perimeter security but at the end of the day you can't just like say hey we have this crunchy outer outer uh, layer and then everything's soft in the middle you know and we don't have to worry about security. Also, another thing, depending on which customers or clients you're working with, like, for example, uh, like a public sector, they still have to have control over the content whether or not they're on site or not. So what websites they deliver, like visit uh, the actual, um, the actual like visibility onto the endpoint, what it's doing, even when it's not connected to the network. So depending on regulation that you you may have to go further and just see like all all that analytic data, even if they're not connected to the physical network you control.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And COVID, I think, is one of those things that uh, Mike and I were talking earlier today about another thing. And I think COVID is going to be a big accelerator in a lot of different ways for the way that we do networking, only because companies were kind of forced into this model of work from home very, very quickly. And so there's been a lot of pain that's been realized in making that transition. But now all of a sudden, uh, companies are way better suited for a mobile workforce uh, because they've had to make those changes. And Mine's, so now, oh, go ahead.
3: Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, uh, no it's
0: good. <laughs> go
3: ahead. Well, what I've experienced since COVID hit was everybody rushed to to do VPN really quickly. But mm. as time has progressed and they're realizing that this may be longer, we may have more people at home. They've learning. They're adding more security controls, not to just rely on VPN and being connected back to like a head end. So yep. I've been seeing them adding layers of security. Like, hey, we're gonna pretend like you know, you can get access to applications without just VPN. Again, we're going to put like a, a network gateway into access on a, uh, on-site applications, but we're also going to control your your uh, your desktop remotely. We're going to be able to have visibility. Like we're going to put visibility agents on there. We're going to do, uh, we're going to have like some kind of D, like DNS protection or like DLP per, uh, per, you know, detection, even when you're not mm-hmm. on site. So it's been interesting to see kind of like, The rush to VPN, now, like, how do we secure VPN? So, like, first it was, you know, just basic VPN, then posturing or, like, some kind of, like, endpoint compliance. Then, like, make sure it's a corporate endpoint. Then how do we get away from VPN now that we've gotten this far?
2: Yeah, so that's a really good point. Um, And and I think it kind of goes back to that addiction to performance. So when we did VPN we could pull that traffic back to that centralized location, scrub it before it passes off. But now we're really realizing this is long-term and we need to get those applications as quickly to their destination as possible. So we don't impact performance. We don't saturate pipes. Um, that are, you know, largely becoming overloaded. And now, you know, we could egress to the internet, right? We could split tunnel, but we don't do any kind of effective security when we split tunnel. Now, flash forward a little bit Um, with some of the security advancements and everything you brought up, Catherine, are things that we need to be doing, right? Because traffic is going into multiple destinations and we need to be able to secure it while also optimizing it simultaneously.
1: Yeah, I think that really... Pushes towards more um, policy at the client, um, moving policy away from that perimeter edge, uh, that firewall, um, and, and pushing it down to the client edge. And I'm not just talking about um, your IP port and protocol matching, you know, like Catherine was saying, DNS, uh, maybe DNS black holing, um, uh, DLP, um, a lot of these other things that, that you can do actually at the client because when someone's working from home, uh, whether they're VPN or not, uh, like when I work from home, most of the applications that I use are cloud hosted. I don't have to VPN in at all. Um, and when that shift happened, our company started focusing a little bit less on our network perimeter and started focusing more on endpoint solutions, right? Like you, Catherine, was saying about visibility. We need that visibility as well as protection. We need both. Um, and and actually, I think I think we're going to see you know, in the next few years that that becomes more and more of a product offering from every vendor. I I think a couple of vendors are pushing client side now uh, to be able to offer policy enforcement, at least at at some point. But I think it's actually going to become pretty mainstream where every vendor is going to have a client agent, uh, something that they can put on the endpoint to actually enforce policy there. Whatever policy you set on your firewall will match it at the client.
0: So we've hit on some of the majors, you know, Sorry. in, in <laughs> on on server infrastructure, on the client types. We've hit on, um, you know, mobile workforce and borderless networks. We've talked about obviously the big impact of COVID, and you know, like I think one of the other things, like as you as you talked about, uh, I think Catherine brought it up, the idea that you know we need to be able to know where people are going on, e- even when they're remote, we need to know where they're going on the, on the internet. We need to be able to protect our data, make sure it's not exfiltrated. Uh, one of the big factors too that's changing the way that we do security is encryption. I mean, we've seen a a, a quick ramp up from, you know, 20, 30% encrypted traffic to like 80, 90% encrypted traffic just over a relatively short time when it comes to, you know, networking trend perspective. It's just been a a matter of years, but encryption has has really become a, a very significant part of the traffic that's running across your network. And it's this is a bit of that cat and mouse game, right? Because we want encryption that's good, that's secure, that can protect data. And we keep seeing advancements in, in in the cryptography that we use, but those advancements then make it harder to peek into that data to know what's going on. And there's some legitimate reasons why a business might want to be looking at that data as it's entering and leaving uh, their network. And when you have a secure edge, that's um, it's already a challenging problem, right? It's already a challenging problem to deal with high levels of encryption. But now all of a sudden we're talking about these people could be anywhere and we're talking about profiles that could be, uh, they're not connected to a VPN. We're not sending them back to someplace where I have something that's available for me to do this. Now we're talking about a client on an machine or we're talking about a different model. And so encryption plays a role in this as well because it's just one of the, I mean, when I think about security, like the firewall was not a, a resource intensive thing. I mean, it was, <laughs> but when compared to uh, sitting in the middle of an encrypted stream, it's nothing from a performance perspective. And so whatever new models go into place have to both be, to Mike's point, performant. Um, we can't be slowing down the traffic, but they also have to be effective in giving us the tools and they're likely going to be highly distributed. Uh, which, which I think is going to be, you know, one of those underlying themes of this show is that we're going from this centralized model to a highly distributed model. And there's several ways to do that, um, but they all present new and interesting challenges. Um, and so maybe this is a good point to, to kind of like shift to that thought process. So like we've gone from this idea is like, let's bring everybody back. The model is this hub and spoke, or maybe there's a couple of hubs in your network. Everything comes back. You have a stack of boxes, physical boxes. You have your firewall, I don't care who the vendor is, you have, you know, something that's doing, um, you know, some sort of SSL inspection, you might have DLP, you might have IDS IPS, you might have, uh, maybe you have an application firewall, uh, a web application firewall on the way in, checking traffic that's coming into services that you're offering. But I mean, like, usually, in most places, it's literally all in one rack. (laughs) maybe two racks, if you're if you're redundant, right, like, we're talking about actual physical assets that are sitting in a server, server room data center somewhere. This has kind of been the model. Then as things like SD-WAN has come around, um, as we've seen the the move to a more distributed workforce, we've seen that challenge, um, where we don't necessarily want to bring all that stuff back. And I think a lot of company companies have made some, you know, risk decisions about, you know, do I need to filter stuff that's going to Salesforce? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But, but if it's going to YouTube, do I need to, you know, like, like, we're, we're making risk decisions about what we're filtering and not filtering because we don't want to bring all of this traffic back um, because of cost and whatever. And then, uh, and then we, then the work from home stuff. And so like, you know, like, I think we've talked about the idea that client based security is going to be a thing. But I also think that one of the things that's starting to emerge is, is cloud based. So it's not just client that's an option. But there's also the idea that we can send all of our traffic rather than like setting up our um, setting up our network perimeter as stacks of firewalls that exist in maybe one or two places geographically located, you know, strategically. Uh, we pick a cloud vendor that's highly distributed and they work on building that highly distributed infrastructure and we send our traffic to them to have all that stuff going on. And Gardner has a fun acronym for this one. It's my it's my least favorite acronym in all of networking right now and it's called SASE. Um And so I don't know if you all are feeling sassy right now, but you, I'm know, sassy. you know, I'm sure you always feel sassy, but mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> uh, Andrew Lerner swears it wasn't him, but I'm I'm holding him personally responsible because, you know, uh, <laughs> it came out of a paper. He was, uh, he participated on writing. But anyway, Gartner has come up with this term and we all get to live with it now. Um, What? Secured Access Services Edge or something like that is what it stands for. Um, but the idea is this is that cloud model of security. Um, so, Mike, I know you've done some work in this, uh, at least looking at it. So I don't know if you you have any more insight about like kind of how this works or, you know, some of those fundamental components.
2: Yeah, uh, to just kind of elaborate on that. Um, so there's a bit to unpack there. But, you know, when we think about cloud native architecture, which the SASE model is putting forward, what it's attempting to do is eliminate the do, do-it-yourself do service chains that are often built using layer one or layer two shims or tricks in layer three to get traffic to traverse a firewall, um, a SSL inspection engine, um, anything that you may do with content filtering if that's not all packaged in. So what it's hoping to do is kind of el- eliminate that complexity that, um, companies are having to deal with themselves to create an effective service chain to effectively secure their traffic. Uh, this gives them the ability to scale up really well and their presence globally really optimizes the connectivity for those clients or those remote office locations um, that are gonna be connecting into the service. Cause again, um, you know, if we're not gonna run it on premises at the remote location or locally on the client that we have to take a little bit of a trip to get to a destination that can run those uh, security scrubs on them, we want to make it as low latency as possible, right? So we're not incurring any kind of uh, congestion back off algorithms or stuff like that that just, you know, why is my computer slow? Why is my audio choppy? Why does my video look um, pixelated? So that's really what it is coming down to in a nutshell. And what they're trying to do initially, um, some of the companies are trying to help you scrub for that internet connectivity and that SaaS Um, connectivity. They are also working to incorporate, you know, cloud access security as well. Um, And then there's also been some other thoughts about how do they expand that out to more locations um, within your environment. So some really interesting developments there.
0: Yeah. I mean, as I've been hearing about it, I mean, so like <laughs> this to me, I feel like Cisco was ahead of the game here or OpenDNS to begin with. And then Cisco acquired them. Right. And uh, we have Umbrella as a product. And it was this idea that like, hey, don't 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 necessarily run all your security yourself. Like let us centrally manage this. And there was like a lot of uh, benefit that came from that model because you had all the learning that happened collectively and you got the advantage of that. Um, kind of like you know, like running whatever filter list you might have gotten from your firewall vendor before, but it was far more proactive, and they were seeing more attacks. Now, if you look at the statistics that come out of Umbrella, it's it's something ridiculous, right? Like the the amount of traffic that they see are, are able to respond to, and how quickly they're able to respond to new and active threats. But that was DNS, and it had some limitations. Not all traffic looks up an address, right? Not all traffic has that, and and that, and not to say that there weren't innovations with umbrella that were meant to address those things and still are advancements in umbrella to match those things but now we're seeing um well since we're talking about umbrella sig right like sig is the new model for umbrella specifically secure internet gateway where now I'm gonna send my traffic to them mm-hmm. um, but they're definitely not the only one in town doing that the idea is it's almost like I'm gonna set up my perimeter firewall but I'm going to do it in a cloud way I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it in someone else's Data center, someone else's servers, and, and the reason why I think that this makes a lot of sense is one of the challenges with the distributed model is maintaining consistency. Yep. Right, because it's not like we couldn't go distributed before. It's not like we couldn't take these big firewalls, break them up into much small fire smaller firewalls, and put them everywhere. But what it comes down then to is a management problem because I've got to manage all of these firewalls, and we've seen centralized managers. They've been different, varying levels of. Um, usability when it comes to managing hundreds or thousands of devices. Uh, we've seen them. They've been out there. They've been a bit of a challenge though, right, to keep large fleets of firewalls consistent. And um, and so it's interesting to see that vendors are, are driving these solutions where you go to a website and they're managing all that distribution problem for you. That's what you're paying for, right? You're paying for the distribution problem to be solved. I can get this close to my location wherever I'm at. I can get Firewall services delivered to me fairly uh, w- with with a low level of impact to my traffic, but I don't have to worry about the fact that I, I need to manage 60 instances or 100 instances of firewalls. I'm going to manage it through one portal and say what is and isn't allowed. Um, and it's not a panacea, right? Because there's a lot of challenges that come with that. We do a lot of things with identity that happen in our network when we talk about our filtering rules and getting that into, getting identity into a third party instance of a firewall is a challenge. And I mean, there's some solutions that are there, but they're not perfect. Um, and so, like, there's there's all kinds of uh, constraints that come with the idea of a cloud managed system. So, if you don't want to go that direction, you still have to distribute it, though, right? <laughs> we still have to get the systems out because we can't just bring all the traffic back to a head end. And so, we see like uh, SD WAN vendors who are who are trying to bake in security into their edge points Or really what's even you know probably more telling is that a lot of security vendors got into SD WAN. Because it made sense to have a security appliance at the edge just as much as it made sense to have a routing appliance at the edge. And you have the SD-WAN vendors who were security first who added the routing capability. And then you have SD-WAN vendors that were routing first that added the security capability. Um, but there definitely is that that idea of on-box security, but even that has limitations. You've got to buy a pretty big box sometimes to do some of this filtering. And so I think that there's a lot I, the reason why we're talking about it is the whole model is 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 churning the way we're having to do it, right? I don't know that there's one you know solid answer. This is the way that it is, but ultimately we're coming down to where we have to distribute our security because it's no longer what it is, or no longer what it was. And I think work for home, work from home, is is really one of those drivers that's really pushing us very quickly in this direction, probably more quickly than we would have otherwise. Uh, to make all this happen. But cloud isn't helping either. (laughs) Mike and I were talking about this earlier today, and it just feels like, it feels like the more that, uh, the the more that cloud gets adopted, the harder uh, on-premises infrastructure becomes, The, the, the less clear it is about what it is that you need from a routing and security perspective. Because nobody, well, I won't say nobody, very few people are all in in either direction. Very few people are all in all on premises and very few are all in on cloud. So you still need both, but how do they interact? And um, it's just one of those challenging things. We're gonna take a quick break right here to talk some more about today's sponsor. If you haven't heard, NVIDIA has been making some significant investments into networking, positioning themselves as the leader in open networking. They have built a portfolio that now allows them to provide end-to-end networking solutions that encompass both the hardware and the software in use in your networking infrastructure. Combining the benefits of NVIDIA Mellanox Spectrum-based switches, powered by the industry's leading performing ASIC, with the latest network operating system enhancements, including NVIDIA Cumulus Linux, Sonic, and NVIDIA Mellanox Onyx. This approach offers you choice and flexibility while removing restrictions throughout your whole networking stack. If you haven't had the opportunity to get familiar with NVIDIA Cumulus yet, they offer a free and easy way to do so with Cumulus in the cloud. The best part, it's all free to try out. You can head on over to cumulusnetworks.com slash automation pod to check it out for yourself. That's cumulusnetworks.com slash automation pod. Also, that link will be available in the show notes of today's episode. So uh, maybe we should look forward a bit. Like, so so what are some of the things that you think are are coming? So this is the crystal ball part of the show where I, I get to put you all on, on the hot seat and say, you know, like, things are changing, but we're in the middle of it. And so, you know, do you have any thoughts about where things are going? Do we think Sassy is going to mature into a more capable model? Um, not to say that's it's not capable today, but obviously add features and capability to it. Do we think Cloud's going to eat everything? <laughs> And all of this is a non-issue in you know, a few years or what? What do you guys think? Uh, Catherine, I'm going to call on you. You've been quiet a little bit.
3: Uh, yes, no worries. I, I feel like every time I've talked, I've accidentally talked over you. So I apologize. Um, no, I, I do think that Sassy is going to mature quite a bit. But, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting because we know to some degree COVID is going to directly impact everything like imminently, probably till the middle of next year, um, as far as like whether or not you can go on-prem or not. So I do think that's gonna drive some more maturity from all the vendors and from the client perspective, because the clients are gonna have to figure out, like, do I really wanna have, like the first thing when COVID hit was like the rush to jump to VPN, but people started noticing that they didn't have like firewall capacity for the, for VPN for their whole workforce. They had it for like 500 people, like a, a little subset. Um, and they don't want to sit there and upgrade boxes to try to like plan for the next pandemic, so they're moving away from that. But it you know it'll be interesting to see. Like I do think that some clients will be kind of stubborn, like uh, you know about some going back in. But I think that it's going to just the pressure to kind of move this along and uh, to, and secure these off-prem users, like you know whether they're connecting to cloud apps or on-prem app applications, is going to drive. The clients to move faster than they like but it's also going to drive the vendors to actually have to mature this stuff i do think that to some degree the vendors were kind of going a little slowly because like you said there was uh since we've probably been in this industry we were told that like cloud was going to make, make this change but it happened so slowly that it was like we could kind of take our time i think all the vendors are going to be rushing on feature sets and like trying to adapt as quickly as our customers are and I think that's good or ba- good and bad. We're going to see some some stumbles, but I think that it's overall at the end of the like the year that you know next middle of next year. I think that a lot of clients will not go back because they'll realize that like they have security products or like they have a roadmap on how to be as secure as if they were on prem. And that's that's a good thing. I think I think that's driving innovation.
0: Yeah, I think I think the technology is part of that. I also think that there's a lot of factors in that decision about whether a company comes back. Um, I, you know, I was kind of poking fun at cloud a little bit earlier, but I think that uh, this whole experience with COVID is going to be a huge accelerator for cloud uh, because sure. because you know the <laughs> the the realization that if my apps were in somebody else's data center, uh, it's not necessarily my responsibility, or I can spin up security you know, in, in some sort of virtual instance where I'm not having to like replace physical hardware boxes to, to meet capacity, that, that whole idea of being nimble takes a whole new perspective uh, within the perspective of COVID. And yeah, I think that, yeah, go ahead.
3: I was gonna say, it's not just a firewall. It's like, you know, if they had like a, a proxy, web proxy and everything else that for everything to ping pong back out for like the LP and other things, They were all finding out that all those boxes, like you said, were just like, it's really hard to adapt, you know, when you have a supply chain uh, shortage and you're having to manage these things and suddenly become a mobile workforce.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot and it's really quite impressive. I said it from the very beginning that like there's never been a more important time to be a networker than like the past six or eight months. And I still think that's true because it's been really there's been a lot of really difficult things to navigate. Um, and a lot thrown in a particular dire- in in our direction from a technology perspective. That you just have to solve the problem, and and sometimes sometimes it's money, but it's not always just money. Sometimes there's the, the real architecture things that have to change, and I feel like that's been accelerated uh, uh, a fairly significant amount. I'm uh, I'm curious, you know, like. At, there's been a lot of talk about whether or not people are going back to an office. I feel like that that conversation has kind of shifted from one end of an extreme to another. I feel like very early on, it was like companies are going to realize there's a ton of savings and not having office spaces. But in the same breath, I feel like everyone's seeking normalcy and normalcy <laughs> pre COVID was going into an office. I've heard a number of my friends say, I can't wait to go back. And it's like, Oh, that's an interesting perspective. And so I wonder, how much of those decisions are going to be made because of our emotions, right? And 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 what we feel and what we want versus uh, the the pragmatic business approach? Because I think that we've proven, to your point, Catherine, that you know the the pragmatic business approach is that being nimble and having these services, you know, be a bit more flexible is is probably a much better solution. We're going to be able to, you know, weather whatever storm comes our way. Uh, a lot easier if we're not ultimately responsible for a couple of physical instances that live in particular places. I mean, one of the things that shocked me uh, when all this started, and it makes complete sense, but like Equinix closed off access. (laughs) Like if you were in a colo and you put all your stuff in Equinix, I guarantee you there's a whole slew of disaster recovery business continuity plans that are like when all the stuff hits the fan, we all meet at Equinix, and Equinix says, no, no, thanks. We don't want your germs here. And all of a sudden, everybody's, you know, business continuity plan is like, uh, what do we do? Right, in now, the <laughs> right now, obviously, they have remote hands and it wasn't catastrophic. But, man, it was a significant thing. And I think it's going to make people think. You know, like if, if I need physical access to my stuff, what does that mean in a pandemic? What does that mean um, when when something significant happens? And so I think we're going to see a shift to more cloud services. And because of a shift to more cloud services, this whole idea of distributed security is going to matter even more. Um, Mike, do you have a crystal ball? I'm curious what what your thoughts are.
2: Yeah. So, you know, just a little bit of history before I look you know too far into the future, but um, you know, where One of the places I worked at previously, we looked at doing a kind of like a regionalized security stack. So what we ended up doing was going into multiple co-location facilities, putting the security goodness there, and then redirecting our WAN traffic, um, our remote access VPN traffic to there, and we could push everything through and keep things geographically close to drive some optimization, um, some performance increase for those end users. Now, the interesting thing about that was, it took uh, eight months of engineering to do this, to come up with the design work, to integrate it into existing infrastructure. Um, And also during those eight months, we also had to do all the ordering, um, work through the supply chain, make sure that we could get things um, both in North America and Europe, had to send people out, rack, stack, do it. Um, By the end of those eight months, we only had like two sites converted out of 6,000. Right? We weren't even fielding uh, the remote access VPN to the scale that we we're shooting for, which was about 40,000 people, you know, very low numbers at the time. And I un- left the company um, after we got through a major hurdle and, you know, we we're ready to deliver services. And I think it took them something like uh, 18 months to finish the full-on deployment, to get every single site converted to it, all the remote users using that service. And you think about that, you combine that timeline, that's that's over two years to be able to um, execute on a business plan, and a lot of it's prohibitive when you have physical infrastructure, complex security stacks. You can't express your business policy simply enough, so you have to build it all yourself. You have to organize it. You have to orchestrate it. Um, a lot of smart people, um, you know, put blood, sweat, and tears into making that happen. So when i think about that and where we're potentially going with the sassy model whether you subscribe to the cloud uh, native architecture or the branch heavy model is we need to make it to where you can consume these services very easily that you can express what type of security you need to have applied to a particular group and be able to execute on that very quickly Um, you can't take 26 months to be able to get these services fully activated in your organization um, You know, we keep going back to COVID, that hit quick, right? You need that in months, weeks, even days in some capacity. So I, I think where it's ultimately gonna go is we need to be able to connect into these services very quickly. They need to be able to secure us to any destination that we're going to. We also need to um, bake identity into that as well so we can correctly apply those policies and, you know, I think there may be an opportunity for, you know, network and security as a service, much like what the cloud can do in an IaaS capacity, but more of like a flat rate monthly recurring revenue stream that would be more appetizing for businesses to move in a pure OPEX model, as opposed to these large capital expenditures and these large time investments to be able to actualize.
0: Well, I think that's the, the panacea, right? I mean, that's that's the cloud model. Yep. That that that's what's gotten system teams all, you know, all excited about all the things that they can do. And networking has not gone along, um, not nearly at the same rate um, that the system side has gone along and this because there's been a lot of challenges that exist on the network side. It's a physical infrastructure game. Whereas the the idea of, you know, uh, systems pr- primarily had been virtualized, you know, decades ago mm-hmm. uh, with we, already were virtual. So it's just a matter of where they live. Uh, networking, we've had to we've had to solve a bunch of problems, but it feels like we're getting there. Uh, it feels like we're solving a bunch of those things when it comes to connectivity and some of those options. And I think everything seems to be moving towards that, you know, that OPEX consume what you need model. Uh, I still think we're probably a bit off um, from, you know, a full network or a weigh or whatever. but oh, you didn't I, ask
2: me how far, how far I was looking yeah, down. No, that's like true. like, like no, maybe but, a decade.
0: But, you know, not, not to tip her hat, but some of the things that we're working on, you know, are are really impressive. Like what you can do, with a fully virtualized WAN network, the capabilities are are coming. They might be a little uh, a little green, still a little wet, but we're uh, you know like there's there's things coming you know to market today uh, that are that are moving us even closer to that idea that you can consume networking almost like a cloud service. Um, and it's it's a really interesting future and then that drives a lot of these discussions even further into how do we distribute these things where do we place them and i think that there's a parallel discussion here as we talk about cloud because even there like where do you place security in cloud sometimes it's in the cloud sometimes it's adjacent to the cloud sometimes it's distributed sometimes it's centralized there's you know there's there's two conversations that kind of mesh together uh, that aren't Necessarily the same problem, but they're so very closely related that I think that they impact each other quite a bit. So Tony, I'm going to point at you now. Uh, you've had some time, so uh, so go ahead and pull out the crystal ball and <laughs> and say whatever you know new so, wants you need to do to uh, to give so, us the future.
1: So I think I've I think I've covered a little bit of it already, which is I really think in the crystal ball the future is really just going to be a, a well balanced diet of of on prem. Still, that perimeter uh, next gen firewall, that multi capability box, Uh, partnered with a a client agent, something that's on your client, Um, with cloud as well. And and I think it's going to be the trio, right? It's not going to be one or the other or the other. Um, It's going to be well balanced across all these enterprises. And I I would predict that I think every vendor, um, let's say, say firewall vendor, will be offering this model. To be able to say like, hey, you know, you buy our firewall for your for your main office. Um, we'll give you a thousand installs for these client agents and we'll give you this much bandwidth up in the cloud um, and, and be able to have that sort of, a, um, a, of offering that sort of, I don't know, the buffet style. You know, you get a little bit of everything um, because I think that's what we need, right? We don't just need one or the other or the other. We need all of these things.
0: All right. I'm going to go a bit further than all of you. (laughs) And when I say I'm going to go a bit further than all of you, uh, I think that we are on a very rapid path to the idea of the branch not being what it has been traditionally. I think that COVID has ramped that up. I think that we were already on this path to begin with. I feel like SD-WAN is kind of a stopgap between a traditional network and what we would call a modern network maybe five or ten years from now. And I feel like that that we're already seeing that in some of the ways that we're talking about connecting to cloud, how much cloud we use, how much stuff is on-prem. And then, you know, if the large majority of our stuff is in cloud, does it really matter that we have a WAN? You know, like, do I need to connect back to my other branch sites or do my people who sit in a branch really just behave like they're sitting at home and there's no difference whatsoever? And then all of a sudden there's no, you know, I either, this, this distributed model is an absolutely essential piece. It's not optional. And I don't think it's all a cart. I think you have to be distributed because of the fact that there's not going to be a physical infrastructure for a lot of companies when it comes to interconnectivity between locations, the way that it's been so far, your branch is going to be like a Starbucks. It's just going to be a bit more controlled. And so I'm not saying this is happening tomorrow, but this is the path that I see things on. And I feel like, you know, when when, when we get there, um, you know, like it, it, this distributed model is going to be essential. So whether it's sassy or whether it's distributed into something that you put into your branch that's just a small security appliance, but it's not going to be big boxes anywhere. It's going to be a bunch of little things. Maybe it's a client that sits on the machine. Um, and one of the things we haven't talked about, and I want to bring it up, I think we're going to do a whole show on this here in the very near future. So I don't want to talk about it too much. Um, is is a model that's also kind of shifting things as well. It's called Zero, uh, Zero Trust, right? So the, the idea is it's not even VPN. It's all client-based. And that, you know, like we negotiate connectivity through a broker that sits in the middle rather than a, a VPN through a firewall or anything like that. And policy gets implemented natively that way because of the fact that it's a whitelist. We have to say what can talk to what. Um I know whitelist is always one of those things that everyone kind of rolls their eyes. I'm right there with y'all. Cause I mean, we saw what what happened with ACI, right? Like here, let's go put in this micro segmentation and you'll have to whitelist everything. And what was the first thing that everyone did? We're going to literally whitelist everything and we'll work our way backwards at some point in the future. And it never works your way back. But in zero trust, I don't think you really have that option, right? Like you kind of set it up as, as what's there. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on zero trust, but I think it's going to play a bigger role moving forward as well.
3: I would agree with you on that. Uh, Definitely. Like, um i before earlier this year i was working enterprise like big customer segments um like fortune 100 and they were all interested in zero trust before then um covid probably just accelerated that like like crazy um i do think that moving away from just that that crunchy outer layer and having just least privilege access focusing on 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 uh, ju- and protecting your assets, your workloads, like focusing the security there, and on the endpoint, not really caring about what's in the middle as much, except for maybe like basic segmentation. Um, I-, I think that's going to be a larger and larger uh, in the future. Like that's probably going to be accelerated because of COVID, but it was already on that track.
0: Mike, any thoughts?
2: I'm still thinking through zero trust, like they're are a lot of elements in networking and security today that reflect zero trust. Um, personally, you know, like getting, getting to work with cool toys all the time, like working in a research and development capacity, I would like to get my hands on those products and pick them apart and see what zero trust actually means to each vendor. Um, just, you know, coming from an SD WAN background SD WAN meant something different to every single vendor. Exploring SASE, SASE means something different to every single vendor, right? They all have a different uh, view on what it is. Now, like they li- like to achieve a lot of the similar functions, um, you know, so they can fit the the bill of what that technology is. But zero trust, like I, I'm hesitant, just because I've been so inundated with a, a lot of marketing terms that I, I just need to I need to see the ones and zeros for me to really formulate a meaningful opinion on it.
0: Fair enough. Tony, have you toyed with zero trust at all, or is that still a future
1: thing for you? It's, it's uh, I don't know anyone who's fully implemented zero trust that I've touched their network hands on. Um, it's, it's one of those things that like sounds awesome. You know, it sounds like the dream. If you can do it holistically, 100%, it's the perfect setup uh, for securing your workloads, your clients, um, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I love to hear about the technology that makes it all happen. I love to hear about how we're doing segmentation, how we're protecting things, how we're isolating things. But I see it as like an operations nightmare. I mean, yeah, I really do. Uh, I mean, I would love love to see this happen. I, I love the technology. I see it as an operations nightmare. I mean, you really have to know what your network is doing, what your network traffic is doing. And I know that's part of it. It's about learning about it and being more educated about it. But I can't take someone green off the street and put them in a tier one spot for this. I think zero trust is higher than that. And I see it as just an operations nightmare.
0: All right. All right. So we've talked about the history. We've talked about... Uh, kind of where we're at today. We've talked about the future. That was fun. Um, I think it's probably a good place to wrap it up. But before we do, um, Mike, why don't you, uh, where can people find you? You're not, you're not very public. So probably LinkedIn, right?
2: Yeah, that's the uh, only social media I have. So LinkedIn, Mike Pfeiffer um, should have something about SD-WAN in some way, shape or form on my profile. So if you think so? Clue you in on who yeah. it's me.
0: <laughs> all right uh catherine uh you're a bit more socially uh connected where can people mm-hmm. find you
3: uh network-node.com and there's like a link to my linkedin and uh twitter on there well, i you, apologize in advance for any offensive things i say on twitter
0: no, you don't need to apologize for that stuff let people discover that on their own um,
3: <laughs> it's fun
0: you've been, you've been working on uh, a book if i remember correctly
3: yeah, an ice book. Uh, I it's finished. It's just going through that final editing stuff.
0: All right. So so keep your eyes out. Uh, new uh, new book on ice coming from Catherine. So that's that's cool. Uh, Tony, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, I'm on Twitter at showipinterfacebrief and uh, showipinterfacebrief.blogspot.com.
0: Yeah, I'm jealous you got that name. That's a that's a good. A good Twitter name. That's uh, that's way better than mine. So, with that being said, you can find me at bcjordo on Twitter. That's a name I've been using since I was thirteen. Um, so uh, so yeah, that that be careful the names you pick because they stick around. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook, just searching for my name around both those places. Uh, if you join this episode, there's uh, there's quite a bit like it. You can go find all that stuff at networkcollective.com. We're on all the regular uh, podcast places, so you can go to iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, Spotify, like all the places where podcasts are, we're there. You can go subscribe there. But if you go to networkcollective.com, we have links to them all. So you can just go find where we're at. Um, you definitely want to go to networkcollective.com because we're starting to release some other content that isn't in the feed. We've got a few blogs up. We're going to be doing more blogging this year. And we've got, uh, we did our first webinar <laughs> around uh, segment routing. And so there's lots of other content there. So you definitely want to check in at networkcollective.com. Uh, every once in a while, because there's going to be some stuff that doesn't show up in the podcast feed. Uh, we love chatting with you all. So you can find us on social media, at NetCollectivePC on Twitter, Network Collective Podcast, both on LinkedIn and on Facebook. Um, I think that's about it. So we're going to wrap it up. So uh, thank you all for coming on and, and having this great conversation. And thank you for everyone who's, uh, who's listened. And we will see you next time.